Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see, before we get started, does anybody have something they want to talk about? Clearly you do. Why would we want to talk about something before we get started, Bonnie? That would be some sort of like cold open thing. No, I mean like, we, we need a, oh, I have a funny grabber story. You know, you never want to say that something is funny before okay. you say it. It's just, I don't know, I I know how long you've been up. in the business. but Well, Adam sometimes says, oh, this will be, this will be really funny. Adam says that. Because Adam has a long history of teaching improv. You, oh, of course. <laughs> you don't have that background. I'm just I'm just cautioning you. It's not a, okay. it's not a good way to just, lead into a joke. Here's a funny okay. thing. Okay. I don't know how to start it with, I thought this was really funny. Let's okay. see. How about, um, oh, here's something that happened. It doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, yeah. gosh, there was I meant to tell you guys. How a about lot that? of journalists use, oh, here's something that happened as their lead line. Yeah. And that, that yeah, used that's... to be Dan Rather's lead into the news. I'm Dan oh, yeah. Rather, and here's something that happened. Yeah, and he stole it from Cronkite. Well, okay, you're right. They don't flag it ahead of time, but I just, I don't Tell your it. story! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Okay, our editor, Vic, uh, he works on a sh- show full-time. He just does our podcast as kind of sideline and because he likes us a lot. Yeah, for show. all the money, because there's a lot of money in our podcast. What, are you kidding me? Yeah. So he sent me an email. The show he works on, there's a lot of negotiating with the network about what they're going to leave in and what they're going to take out. And he said he heard himself defending what he'd done in the show, saying to the woman, but you need a grabber. You need to keep this. <laughs> you need a grabber. And he sent me the email and he said, I cannot believe that I just used the word. I just said we need a grabber to somebody on a network. It's the first thing I say when I wake up in the morning. Gonna need a grabber. Vic, we apologize. I spend all day long looking for a grabber. Well, I think in the case of this show, we've we've found it. Oh, we have. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh we we're can, there. You know. Um, I think very soon we're going to begin to hear from listeners that say that they don't listen to the whole show. They just listen to the grabber. I think. They're just there for the grabber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, when they say, you know, when Adam says, 
coming to you live. That's when they turn off because no more grabber. And it's inaccurate because we're recording it live, but when they're hearing it, I'm not coming to them live. Well, that's nice of you to point that out. Adam, Adam. Yeah, that's, what? That's, what? That's a, sec- that's a trade secret. Yeah, Bob- so you mean... <laughs> Bonnie, I, I can- who doesn't... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let's start recording. I, 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 I remember the day that it dawned on me that the Flintstones couldn't have a live audience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is a, that, it was heartbreaking. That must have been a hard, Sad, hard day. Yeah, yeah it, it's heartbreaking because they did it via Zoom. That's how they did. No, no, they, they were cartoon characters. That we, they, they what do you were, mean? I mean, they were animated. It takes months to animate a single episode. They, they, they didn't perform live. No, they, but they were together. They no. Were in the, yeah, Fred, when Fred would come into the, what are you, what are you kidding me? When Fred and the and the vacuum cleaner would say it's a living. The, the, yeah, those were they were together when they did that. Wow. It took me years. I was an adult when that dawned on me, by the way. I remember when it dawned on me that that cartoon uses a laugh track. What do you mean? That that like other cartoons don't have that. Scooby Doo didn't have a laugh track because it was serious. It was uh, suspenseful. The Jetsons might have had a laugh track. You know what I loved about the Jetsons? They always had a grabber right in the beginning. Always right in the beginning. Did yep. they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. see, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the Jetsons was improvised. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, Adam, Adam, didn't you teach the Jetsons improvisation? No, no, yeah. I just, just just Elroy. You guys, what? I think we should start. I don't oh, feel like we... starting. Can we start? <laughs> okay, okay. I would love to. Let me do that lie I always do. Here we you go. You guys go ahead. I'm not going to start. I'm just going to keep doing the cold open because it's where I feel the most free. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is so not a grabber. We're way past grabber. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me. Wait, what is that out the window? Wait a minute. What? Oh, my fucking words. I have to get this beak out of my eye so they can sew my leg back on again. Wait, why is your leg <laughs> off again? Because I, I didn't sew it on good from last week. <laughs> Just... <laughs> fell off again when I That's lurched a- backwards to get rid- away from the birds. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Wow. Oh. Well, this is inarguably very grabby. Oh, my God. I, you know, I'm happy that we have a grabber, but I wish it wasn't so painful. <laughs> oh. You know what just went up my nose? What's that, Paula Poundstone? Bluebird of Paradise. And <laughs> <laughs> Bluebird of Paradise. Why do we start the show? There's something about Adam's healing words coming to you live, which is nothing but a lie. It's a lie. Hey, we're not supposed to say it's a lie, even though Bonnie just told a story about our editor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell you guys something else. I've been meaning to Are you? Because you could easily not. Uh. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. You know, I was thinking about our show the other day, and I really think it's clever. And I think it's the kind of show that a Peabody Award would give us an award 
but the problem is that we swear so much on this show, they're never going to give us an award. I just you want you guys to know that. I think Fuck we're in a changing Peabody's. world. Fuck the Peabody Awards. Fuck the Peabody. I don't even want a Peabody Award. I can't believe we had to take a minute out to listen to that. And I got a beak in my eye. I got a goddamn beak She's in my eye. She's got a goddamn beak in her eye, Bonnie. Show some sensitivity. And I got a motherfucking bluebird of paradise up my nose. Oh. oh. All right. That, that's a bitch. Okay. Oh. So pa- Paula's going to recover. Bonnie's not going to mention the fucking Peabody's anymore. But I do want to point out, it's a changing world. Kendrick Lamar's album won a Pulitzer two years ago. That's true. Oh, great. Now we're comparing our podcast to Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm just saying, if Kendrick yeah. can do it, there's no reason other than a total lack of quality why we can't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kendrick would kill to be on this podcast. <laughs> he would. He probably sent those birds in to attack me because he he's trying to pressure me. He's trying to scare me. He's like a mob Send a boss. message. He's trying to, yeah. he's trying mm-hmm. to scare me into, you know. If He, I, 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 he was recently heard to say, if or, or one of his allies recently said, if Kendrick Lamar is not on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, <laughs> there will be birds through the window. I think that was, he's... No, that was Lindsey Graham. That was Lindsey Graham that said oh, okay. that. My mistake. My okay. mistake. I, what was I thinking? Coming to you live from Can our... Can we start now? God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> I gotta go. I'm gonna do my intro and leave. You've been taping it so long, I had a snap. <laughs> All right. Uh, Adam, are you ready? I'm ready for just any tiny window of silence in which I can start this. Coming to you live from our house. God, God damn it! For us to be quiet. You know, ADD okay. doesn't end just because you're not a kid anymore. Let me just point that out. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, talk like a poundstone, endure it like me. Yes, Paula and I will explore the life and legacy of the great Muhammad Ali with author Randy Roberts. What made the champ tick, and why was his ticking important? We'll find out. And you know what else we'll find out? How to make a pinwheel. And you know why? Because it's the return of our critically acclaimed series, Tony's Craft Corner, with our resident crafting fanatic, Tony Anita Hull. <laughs> I'm Adam Felber. This show's meticulous technical boxer, employing the sweet science of verbal pugilism to hammer out 15 rounds of podcasting coherence. And now, please welcome the comedy equivalent of Mike Tyson. She won't bite your ear off, but you might wish she had. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Welcome, Paula. Well, thank you very much. It's so nice to be with you and to talk to you for the first time since we started taping the show. <laughs> and I'd like to welcome back our fifth time returning champion house band, Raymond Horton on the Euphonium. Raymond spent 45 years as the bass trombonist of the Louisville Orchestra, the hometown of Muhammad Ali.
Wow. Wow. Welcome Ooh. back, Raymond. Paula, what's new in your life? Well, Adam, I'll tell you. What? <laughs> I was reflecting recently. And when my son's classroom was taking this trip that the school touted as this great thing that they took fifth graders on an overnight trip. I personally think it's too young for the kids to go on an overnight trip, but there it was. They were doing it. And, uh, of course, the kids were all abuzz about it, and there was a lot of, you know, telling them to bring in their money for the trip and to get their list to their parents of, about what they needed for the trip, blah, 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 right? Well, there was a reason why an overnight trip was not a good idea for my son. And that reason was? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. But there was a, a reason why an overnight trip created a problem for him. But I didn't really think about it. What, what he expressed to me was that he wanted to go on this trip. And so I would, in that parenting way, when we were having a behavior problem of some sort... I would say to him, you know, you're not going to be able to go on the trip if you don't do your homework. Uh, and he wouldn't do his homework. Or I would say, you know, if you don't get in the car, you're not going to be able to go on the trip. And because I wanted him to be able to go on the trip because the other kids were going on, on the trip. And I knew that socially it was, you know, important. I kept using the same lure, even though it wasn't working at all. And I didn't think about it until much later. That although he was telling me with his words, because it was the cool thing to say, that he wanted to go on the trip, he didn't want to go on the trip because of the problem that he had. And so he was purposely screwing up, hoping that I would take away the trip and that he could say like, oh, you know, isn't my mom horrible? She took away the trip. But I never did. Every time he screwed up, he must have thought to himself, oh, for Christ's sakes, how much clearer could I possibly be? <laughs> and I was so unresponsive to his behavior. And it occurred to me the other day that that's what's going on with Donald Trump. You know how we all talk about, you know, there's one more thing and there's one more thing and there's one more thing that he does. Donald Trump never did want to be president, doesn't want to be president, but apparently it's the cool thing to say that you do. And so what he does is he blackmails Ukraine. He steals documents from the White House. And when he's asked to give them back, he's like, no. Come get him. And when they come get him, he's like, yeah, they planted them. He just does every horrible thing because he's telling us as a country, he's telling the voters, I don't want to be president. And we keep going, okay, yeah, but we're not really going to. No, you still might be. You still might be. And I think probably <laughs> somewhere deep in Donald Trump's head, he's like, what the fuck? What else do I have to do to not be president? That's what I think. <laughs> I think you're right. All right, well, then uh, let's go around the horn and meet our delightful cast of characters. Hey, Tony Anita Hull there in Sherman Oaks. What's new? You're looking good. Uh, what is up? So my brother and I are going to Sydney and Auckland in November. Very excited. So I went and got my global entry card because he has his. And he would. How are you getting to Sydney, Tony? Flying. No. Oh, oh, you're they're flying. flying. Yeah, oh, we're not taking a cruise. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a second to put that all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But once they get there, they're going on a cruise. That's the important no, thing. No, we're not going on any cruise. Wow. For now. Wow. 
Am I correct? I, I my understanding is there's a big crafts festival no. in Auckland. Is that right? Oh, the no. Auckland Craft Fest. Yeah. 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 A lot of. Um, so, which scissors are you bringing? Have you decided? Um, that's going to be so exciting. And you're going to be uh, a keynote speaker. Is that correct, Tony? I'm not justifying <laughs> the question with an answer. <laughs> I'm not bringing any scissors. She loves crafts. She just loves crafts. I don't love crafts. You force me to do craft corner against my will, I feel like. That's not true at all. Tony not Anita Hall loves crafts and has made our lives hell begging to have a craft corner section of the show. Uh, and, you know, we said to her over and over again, uh, you know, it's not like Bonnie Burns has an armchair psychiatry section of the show. <laughs> oh, I could. Um, she just interjects it whenever she gets a chance. So, but uh, Tony is very Tony demanded about it, craft pretty much demanded it, yeah. And appar- apparently is taking a paid vacation uh, to go to the <laughs> crafts festival in Auckland. The Auckland uh, Craft Fest. It's going to be something special. Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, speaking of something special, it's Bonnie Burns. How you doing, Bonnie? You know, I'm I'm well. We turned a corner this week with our gardening. Yay! Oh boy! Yeah. So everything's dead. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it took that long for it to die. So the tomato plants finally, all of them died. So I've got. Uh, I thought Adam was kidding, but it turns out that was, was the corner that you turned. I kept thinking about Paula saying, "Anybody can grow a tomato plant. Anybody can grow it's true. a tomato plant." Okay, these guys all died. So now, what I have when you look outside the window are these. You know, we bought cloth bags instead of pots because all the videos I saw on gardening went, "Oh, cloth bags are better." So I have. Three of the five cloth bags we bought full of soil. I've now bought just those have 15 gallons of soil all together. And then there's those stakes that we bought that we forgot and put them in after the plant had grown. So it killed a lot of the roots. Those are just standing up in the empty pots. <laughs> so so to, to, review, to review again, we could have some new listeners. You, you did tell us how you were about how you were misting the plant, even though you were told explicitly not to mist tomato plants. And then you stabbed them with steaks because you, you were like, well, they need steaks. At what point did you think they were going to live? I mean, we knew you had to stake them, but we didn't know you were supposed to stake them when you first planted the seed. Right. So we ended up going through all these roots when the plant was about five or six inches tall. Yeah, Bonnie you stabbed has done them. everything <laughs> she possibly can to tell us she doesn't want to grow tomatoes. And we're just not listening. The tomatoes, last week when we went around the horn, I was going to tell you guys, I'm getting so sick of taking care of these freaking tomatoes. Aww. I have to water them and pull off the stuff that's dying. So they finally went. I don't have to worry about them anymore. That's a really that okay. What on earth? <laughs> wow. Oh, my well, God. You, you I, turned a corner, I, all right. It was a darker corner than we thought. You have to fill up the sprinkler can, and we had to get one that was, like, pretty big to mix with the fertilizer. It's a big pain. Okay. You don't have to do any of that, by the way, but okay. I think okay. maybe that was a mistake. You know how, like, you have kids, and 
Yeah, that's the one up. that you like paid so much attention to usually ends up being the most screwed up one. And the one that by the time it comes along, it's sort of like, oh, whatever ends up being the good one. Uh, the tomato plants might be like that. But OK. But which is the good one? <laughs> I'm getting there. I don't know. Can I point out that you only have one kid? Can I just I know, point I that do. out? <laughs> I do. But sometimes apparently you believe that there are some uncared for children somewhere in your house that you also have. But you know, you have one kid. I realized that some of the things I tried to like really help her along with didn't work out as well as when I just stayed out of the picture. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But can I I just need to get the lavender? Okay. So we have these lavender seeds and I, you know planted them. And then I read on the internet that it's supposed to take six to 10 weeks for those to like sprout, which seemed like a really long time to me. So I've been watering them, watering them, watering them and easily 10 weeks have gone by. And I saw some little like green stuff coming out of one of the little planter boxes, starter boxes. And it turns out it was so relieved to see, oh, okay, they're growing it was like where green kind of little bit of fungus had started growing on the fertilizer. That was oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you're so, growing your own fungus now? That's fantastic. All right. So this is what I was wondering about, but I'm too lazy to look up on the internet and find out. I didn't pay attention on the seed packet on the back. If it said like planted in the spring or whatever, maybe I planted them at the wrong time. And no matter what I do, like watering, fertilizer, it's never going to sprout. What what point is it going to occur to you that you should read the packet before you plant? I just thought whatever. She just put the whole packet in the soil. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you, know what? Like, you know what? You could maybe get Tony's help and... She could cut out the picture of the lavender <laughs> from the packet and then just put that on one of the stakes. And that could be your lavender. Why do you want lavender? It'd be nice in the garden outside by the front door, but. You, you mean with all the other dead things? You know, and I wouldn't have to pay to buy lavender. How much what, lavender do you buy? When are you buying lavender? No. How do you know? Okay, fine. All these things that you read about planting, like, oh, you have to be like three weeks before the spring and in a certain temperature zone, all that. How do you know it doesn't make any difference? Julie Bercobian has a late breaking fact about lavender. The first thing Google oh. says is that you need to avoid June, July, and August. It should be the spring <laughs> <laughs> or the fall. Wow. Okay. First thing Google says. And Bonnie Burns also lives in like the hottest place yeah. in all of the, you know, L.A. area. She lives. That's in, true. You know, basically, she has a, a, a camel in a tent. I don't <laughs> see how lavender could survive there. I think you have turned a corner with this gardening thing and that yeah. possibly you should stop. Yeah. Right. I'm, but I thought I was going to help like the tomato plants and I bought 50 pounds of soil which have now underneath a table. <laughs> oh, so you got to plant something there. <laughs> what I just, am I going to do with all that? Why would you buy 50 pounds of soil <laughs> anyway? Well, because I had all these plants and I needed to put them in bigger pots. You know what? Um, later in the show, we're going to make pinwheels. Why don't you try to focus on that? Why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Well, but Paula, I do want to point out we have that really successful segment that we've only done once, which was gardening with Captain Crinkle. 
Yeah. I never got to the peppers. And don't ask me about the peppers now because I've already, we've spent a lot We know of they're dead, Bonnie. We know they're dead. They're not dead. <laughs> but the yeah. things with them, we got flowers, but the, the flowers are supposed to get little peppers. And those all, the little peppery things are all dry. No one yeah, asked you about the peppers. We specifically said to ask you, and then you told us about the peppers. Oh my God! We have to change the name of your segment to "Involuntary Plant Slaughter" with Captain Grinkle. Don't ask me about the peppers, no matter what. My lips are sealed about the peppers. I think we've spent enough time on going around the horn, so I'll just Let tell, me tell all you something about the peppers. <laughs> I'm having another snack. What is it? Well, I'll tell you what it isn't. A pepper. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Hey, Paula, everybody. Before we go any further, I want to point out a couple of very important details about our book club and a contest related to our book club. Right now, thanks to Julie Bercobian, up on our Facebook page is our list of books for our Bookie Bookie Book Club. And lots of listeners are already throwing in their two cents about what book we should be reading next for the Bookie Bookie Book Club. And we are going to take all of your advice into consideration and choose that book and announce what it is on the show next week. But Paula, I'm not done here. Because no. I want to remind our listeners. There's more. It's like it's like a, it's like a Ronco product. Here's the thing. There's that other contest we have running based on our book club. If you would like to win a Zoom party that Paula and I attend, and and we will welcome up to fifty of your closest friends. Well, you can enter right now by sending an email to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com and tell us listing all of the books we've done so far in our book club. In order, and should you answer that correctly, you will be entered into the drawing to win a Zoom party with me and Paula. I'm writing it down the list right now. Well, ho- you can't hoping- win. Oh. <laughs> You're already oh, going to be I- at that party anyway? Um, and by the way, nobody has 50 friends, so uh, don't feel pressured by the number 50. Um, but it's just that Zoom can accommodate up to 50 friends. That's all we're yeah, saying. That's all we're um, saying. That's all we're saying. And don't ask me about the peppers because that's oh, all I'm going to say. Don't ask me either. I will not tell you. Okay. Hey, Paula, don't do you have a talk about the peppers. <laughs> you know what? I do, I'm not talking about the peppers anymore. Uh, Adam, I have a word. It's <laughs> pepper. Um, no. Uh, it's incipient. It's an adjective that means in an initial stage, beginning to happen or develop. Uh, it was, here, I'll use it in a sentence. I, I hope to continue my incipient exercise habit. It's also a sciencey medical word. Um, it's a good word to know, if, if you can remember it, of course. And you know what might help? Uh, let's put it right into the vocabulary song. This week's word is incipient. It's an adjective that means in an initial stage, beginning to happen or develop. My tumor was small and it started to swell up. Last week's word was puel. It's a verb that means cry feebly or in a complaining way. It's my turn. I want to play. The week before that, the word was asperity. It's a noun that means harshness of tone or manner. I'm sorry. I can't get together today because I don't have you down in my planner. Going back before that, the word was odium. 
It's a noun that means general or widespread hatred or disgust. The orange lying insurrectionist narcissist thinks it matters if his hair is must. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Bravo! Nice. Ooh. Well done. Now, now, Paula Poundstone, uh, we've been doing this quite a lot, and it's, it's a very popular little thing we've added to our show. If you can use this week's word, incipient, in context, in a sentence, somewhere in this show, you will win the right to send share a dollar for reasons that I completely don't understand. So once again, that's incipient, the word that needs to be used sometime during this show. Twice now, I have sent share a check uh, for a dollar. I have not followed up to see if it's been cashed. Um, but uh, Cher, does, Cher does quite well. It's not that she needs my dollar. That's not my point. She might be just saving them up till she has 10, to, so it's worthwhile to bring it to the bank. Uh, you know, she uh, cares for a lot of different animals and organizations, and, and so, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, she's pulling for me uh, to use the word correctly in a sentence within our show. Speaking of challenges, Tony Anita Hull, Titanic's... Target audience, if you can tell me without Googling which of A through D describes something or someone with pulchritude, a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word, we will give literally dollars worth of advertising to Hood Book Headquarters at 2407 East Seven Mile Road in Detroit, Michigan. However, and I would rather attend Marjorie Taylor Greene's prayer group than even think about it. But if you are not able to tell me without Googling which of A through D describes something or someone with pulchritude, we will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to Hoodbook headquarters at 2407 East Seven Mile Road in Detroit, Michigan. Tony Anita Hall, are you ready? Yes. Which of A through D describes someone or something with pulchritude? A. Maggots eat the decaying flesh at the site of the wound, which reduces the possibility of infection. B. The sunlight caught the twist of arm muscles beneath her brown skin while she pushed the frantic stranger's car to the side of the road, her lips pulled into a half-smile that produced a small dimple on her left cheek, and a black curl or two fell forward on her face, creating another curtain call for her brown eyes every time the wind drew the curls to the side. C. First, the Republicans argued that Trump did not have documents that did not belong to him. Then they said the FBI planted the documents that he had that did not belong to him. Then they said he declassified the documents that he didn't have that the FBI planted that were his. Or D. I could see the clerk staring at me while I pushed the door that clearly said, pull. Tony Anita Hall, which of A, B, C, or D describes someone or something with pulchritude? I have no idea. So I'll choose 
I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Just pick one. <laughs> I feel such pressure. I don't know why. She's, she's using some of her gardening talk. <laughs> I'll choose B. Wow, see? Congratulations, Tony Anita Hall, and congratulations to Hood Book Headquarters at 2407 East Seven Mile Road in Detroit, Michigan. Pulchritude is a noun that means beauty. So the answer is B. The sunlight caught the twist of arm muscles beneath her brown skin while she pushed the frantic stranger's car to the side of the road. Her lips pulled into a half smile that produced a small dimple on her left cheek and a black curl or two fell forward on her face creating another curtain call for her brown eyes every time the wind drew the curls to the side. Oh, that was pretty. That's really nice. Congratulations, Tony. Yeah, Tony. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Wait, wait, wait. We at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone recommend that if you are in the Detroit area, you stop by Hood Book Headquarters at 2407 East Seven Mile Road in Detroit, Michigan, and buy some banned books. I will always remember that word because Bugs Bunny uttered it in a cartoon, although he pronounced it pulchritude. <laughs> true, true story coming up when asked about his plan the great boxing scholar Mike Tyson once said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth is that all there is or is there more to the fine art of mouth punching we'll explore the career and the life of the great Muhammad Ali when we come back Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it. But his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression. Um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay, so earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling <laughs> because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family. You know that already. And you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. True. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCA 
PetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's A-S-P-C-A. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European, and you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, fourteen karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. 
Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Tucker Carlson's stepmother, Patricia Swanson, said, Eat your Salisbury steak, Tucker, so you can grow up strong and lie to people. <laughs> <laughs> On 
Thank you, house band Raymond Horton. Hey, Paula. What's with, what's with that hey. look on your face? Adam, yes. here's something I've been thinking about. What's I that? think John Voight, John Voight, I think he is a great yeah. actor. I've seen he's him in good. movie after movie where even if the movie isn't good, he's fantastic. And his roles are varied. I, I really admire him as an actor. He's Mm-hmm. He's also, however, a right-wing nutter. No one is perfect. It's rare that a person is or was a public figure due to developing a great talent in one area and yet also makes a contribution to the world that goes well beyond that. That, I think, makes someone a hero. I'm sure it's a heavy hat to wear, but I, I think Muhammad Ali falls into that category. And, Muhammad and I always Ali. wonder what... Ma- Muhammad Ali, yes. The boxer. And, and I always wonder, I, yes, the boxer, yes. And I always wonder what made him so. How did he become the man he was? Was he just born into the world that way? Was he influenced by others, by his time, by his sport? I think about it a lot. And I've read about him some, but I'd really like to be able to ask someone who's an expert on the topic of Muhammad Ali. Someone who knows about his career and uh, the boxer, yes, and understands as well as anyone can uh, uh, about his heart. I never will, though. I- I'll be lucky if I if I just get to hear Tony and Bonnie do a report on him. I mean, I know I'm not the only one who thinks he's important, but I'll never meet an expert who does. I'm just not that lucky. Well, then let's just move on to Tony's Craft Corner then, Paula, okay? Oh, wait, 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 hold on a second. It just struck me that, as luck would have it, our guest here today is the precise expert you seek by outstanding coincidence. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, it's that true, is, Paula. Come. <laughs> that, is, it's, it's amazing. that is frozen, frozen freakish on a stick. Yeah, very coincidental. Co-author of Blood Brothers, The Fatal Friendship Between Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X, 150th Anniversary Professor and Distinguished Professor of History at Purdue University. Please welcome Randy Roberts. Randy, welcome to the program. Thank you. Luck had nothing to do with it. Midnight Cowboys (laughs) is a great movie. John Voight was fantastic in many, many, again, again, in some movies that I think were just terrible, but he was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, Randy, what makes Muhammad Ali important as a boxer? He's important as a boxer. He's probably even more important as an American, kind of a linchpin, a touchstone for the 1960s and the 1970s. He makes sports politically relevant. Before Muhammad Ali, if you talk to an athlete, they said very little. He continued to talk throughout his life or most of his life. How did he get started as a, as a boxer? Well, you know, the creation story of, of Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, was that when he was 12 years old, he went to some sort of craft fair in his neighborhood, not far from his home in Louisville, Kentucky. And he had a brand new swim bike, brand new. He was proud of that damn bike. And uh, he went in, when he came out, the bike was gone. And he was mad. 
And he's saying, I, you know, when I catch the guy who stole my bike, I'm going to beat him up. It just so happened there was a guy named Joe Martin there who was a policeman and ran a boxing program. And he said to young Cassius Clay, well, do you know how to fight? Well, no, not really. Why don't you come to the gym and learn how to fight? So he goes to the gym. And it just so happened that Louisville had this uh, future champions tournament. Uh, it's on television on Saturdays. Amateur bouts with young kids fighting each other. And so when Cassius was 12, 14 years old, suddenly starts to appear as his future championship. And he becomes somewhat of a celebrity. And he, he really likes being a celebrity. And so that was the start of his career. But he was as much as any person in, that ever lived was a self-made man. But what happened to the bike? The Schwinn bike never returned. If you go to the Muhammad Ali uh, Museum uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, right along the river, uh, the Ohio, you can see a replica of that bike. But, you know, they just paid $12 million for a Mickey Mantle baseball card, most ever for a card. So if they're going to pay $12 million for a card, I mean, what about a bicycle? When I was a kid, we put those cards in the bicycles and it sounded like an engine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's got to be a $35 million bicycle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, so Muhammad Ali was a master self-promoter. And you know what? When I used to see him when I was a kid, I thought he was obnoxious. I only came to appreciate him as an adult. Uh, but what, because I just sort of didn't get what he was doing. What was his relationship with the press? Can I tell you two, two stories? Okay. Number one, he was fighting a guy by the name of Duke Sebadon, Hawaiian, big Hawaiian, in Las Vegas. And he was he went on a radio show and the, the, the reporter asked him, you know, he's trying to build up the fight a little bit, you know, get people to turn out. Cassius, how are you going to what's the fight going to be? He says, I, you know, my opponent's a tough opponent, but he's a big, strong guy, but I'm quick. I'm fast. I think I'll win the fight. OK, along with him on that show was a guy, a wrestler by the name of Gorgeous George. And Gorgeous George was uh, famous for talking, but he had a wrestling match in Vegas the same, close to the same night. And so the reporter next turns to Gorgeous George and said, George, how are you going to do it? George says, I'm going to kill the guy. I'm going to rip off his arm. I, you know, I, I will slaughter him. He will not emerge from the ring alive. If he beats me, I will crawl across the ring. I will kiss his feet. But that ain't ever going to happen because I'm the best that ever lived. Cassius Clay, still at that time, sees this and bam, click. He, Cassius said, I wanted to go see that fight. So he realized he didn't care if he loved him or hated him. He just wanted you to pay to come to see the fight. And so that he suddenly takes on that gorgeous George persona. And so the persona that you didn't like, the braggadocio, the best in yes. the world, the kiss the rank, uh, that, again, that's all that's all shtick from um, – Gorgeous George. That's one story. That's amazing. Let me tell you uh, another story. This is also 61. Both of them are 61. SI, Sports Illustrated, decide we're going to do a, a report on this guy. We're going to write a, not, not a long feature, but a short feature on him. So they send down a cameraman, a guy by the name of Flip Sulky, who was a good photographer. And he's taking pictures at the arena. And he's taking pictures at the training camps, the Fifth Street gym, blah, blah, blah. And, and what Cassius wants is wider publicity. He says, you know, Sports Illustrated's great, but can you get me in life? I want to be in life. Everybody reads life back then. 
So yeah. He says, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to get a person in life. You know, I, Schultke had just done a photo essay and uh, underwater essay. The photos were in life says it's hard. So he shows up the next day at Cassius's hotel and Cassius is in the pool and he's moving around, throwing punches underwater. Contrails of bubbles are coming off and, and Schulte says, what are you doing? He said, an old timer, old, old, old timer said, this is a way to improve your hand speed, your foot speed is to work out in a swimming pool. And Schulte says, that's interesting. I'd like to take some photos of it. So the next day, Schulte shows up with scuba deer and underwater camera, and he takes pictures. Clay gets his spread in life. Completely made up. He had never done that <laughs> training in his life. It was just funny thought, how can I get in life? That's how I can do it. Oh, that's great. Good. I don't think I ever understood either. Like if two basketball teams are playing against one another, um, yeah, they do they interview some of the players? Yeah, but they say, you know, we've come to play. We've got to do defense. Uh, whereas in boxing, there's a long tradition of this this type of promotion. There's no reason to film the weigh-in, but they film the weigh-in so that they can get the guys, you know, face-to-face -face for a few extra minutes so that it, they can do further promotion. I don't know of another sport where the athletes themselves are that responsible for the promotion. No, I, I think you're right. And, and part of it is, if you're a champion or top contender boxer, you're not going to fight more than two or three times a year. So, you know, it, it's like a great feast. Everything has to be set up, choreographed, the pre-publicity, you know, the weigh-in, the fight, the post-fight chatter, what happened, what. So it's, it's, it's a long, drawn-out process. If you're playing 160 baseball games or 80, whatever, some basketball games a year, you know, you're, you're on the TV all the time. You know, the games are going on. Yeah. The promotion isn't as important. Also, wasn't there some sort of a financial motivation? I mean, baseball players don't get a share of the ticket sales, but didn't boxers have some financial reason to try to get the butts in the seats? Yeah. Uh, of course, the winner's going to get something, loser's going to get something. Usually that's preset, whether you win or lose. Uh, but oftentimes you get a share of the gate, a percentage of the gate. You know, here's the difference. You play basketball. You play baseball. You play tennis. You don't play boxing, okay? You don't play getting punched in the face. Uh, yeah. you, know, you don't use that verb. When Cassius Clay was emerging as a fighter, you know, in the early 1960s, there were two world champions, a guy by the name of Davey Moore. Bob Dylan did a song, Who Killed Davey Moore? And Benny oh, yeah. Kid Perret, both of, both of whom died as a result of injuries suffered in the ring. So, I mean, these are champions of the world that died. Yeah. It's a serious sport. I, I, it's true. I never had really thought about it that way before, but you're absolutely right that you don't play boxing. Um, when did he change his name? He changes his name right after he wins the uh, heavyweight title, which was on February 25th, 1964 in Miami. Was he waiting to win the heavyweight title to do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had he come out that he was a Muslim before the title fight, there would never have been a title fight. He would never have got a shot at the title because in 1963, 64, the black Muslims are considered a hate group in the United States. You know, they're considered un-American. Malcolm X was considered one of the most dangerous men in America. Had his relationship with Malcolm X, had his, his loyalty to the nation of Islam been known, he would never got the shot. 
But there were rumors right before the fight. And so after the fight, he comes out as a black Muslim. The question is, who is he going to follow? Because you have the nation of Islam that's being headed by Elijah Muhammad, and and Malcolm X is breaking away from the nation of Islam. He's going to form his own organization, and Ali was very close to Malcolm. When I think of Ali... I think of Howard Cosell, the sports journalist. Cosell promoted him a lot, did he not? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's because in the mid-60s, ABC televised a number of his bouts. And so Cosell, who worked for ABC, so yeah, they promoted him. And this is when he's he's being barred from the sport. And he's going to be persecuted and prosecuted for not entering the draft, for refusing induction. And so Cosell, who had a degree in law and fancied himself somewhat of a constitutional lawyer, uh, you know, suddenly this is this had the intellectual weight he felt for him to take on the crusade. Well, you know, George Foreman once said boxing is like jazz. The better it is, the less people appreciate it. Maybe so, but we will continue to appreciate Muhammad Ali's sweet duet written for glove and face when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Percy from Freedom, New Hampshire. I am so happy to be back out on the road. I am vaccinated and fully boosted. I wear a mask until just before I hit the stage and I put it back on just after. And I want my audience to be masked and vaxxed. Do you know why? Because I never want to lose the opportunity to perform in front of a live audience again. It has been so much fun. I got no supply chain problems. I'm backed up with jokes. I'm the crazy Eddie of jokes. I got way too many. I'm practically giving them away. My flight was delayed the other day because I kept stepping behind the first class curtain saying, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paula Poundstone and stepping through to tell jokes to the rest of the people in coach. Even when they duct taped me to the seat, I said, duct tape? Why would a duck have tape? Why not sloth staples? Well, I guess sloths would staple too slow and the staple wouldn't hold. Besides, sloths lose office work. You gotta come see me in a theater, just so I can get my dignity back. Learning to talk to Trump. Talking to the former president can be difficult, but by practicing these suggested phrases in front of a mirror for just a few minutes a day, you'll be saying what you need to say to him with confidence in no time. Get a pen and a paper and write them down. Today's phrase is, we're not talking about President Obama, we're talking about your behavior. We're back with Randy Roberts. Paula, step into the ring. So, Randy, I read one book about Muhammad Ali years ago. And if I can remember one fact from any book I read, I consider myself a genius. But I'm largely relying on my memory from 
being a little kid growing up when Ali was in the sports news a lot and in the news a lot, I vaguely recall Howard Cosell not wanting to accept the name change. Am I wrong or right about that? Cosell eventually came around with it, but the change was controversial. Boxers refused. He fought a guy named Ernie Terrell. He fought a guy named Floyd Patterson that would always call him Cassius Clay. And Ali punished him in the ring. He, he was just so much faster. He was so good at that time. He'd hit him. Bam, what's my name? He'd say to him, bam, what's my name? And, you know, so wow. he always became in, in official court documents. They refer to him as Muhammad Ali. I mean, half the boxers in the world change their names, uh, maybe more than half. Uh, but it, it's not controversial. They're not changing their name to an Islamic name. Who changes their name to an Islamic name? Wow. Now, what made Muhammad, besides the speed that you just mentioned, what made Muhammad Ali such a great boxer? And did that change over the course of his career? Well, yes. Um, what made him from the very beginning is he was inordinately fast for a boxer. Okay. I mean, he had fast hands and he had fast feet. To, to be a successful boxer, you got to get close to your opponent, okay? You can't hit him from – if you ever see people don't know how to box, they're boxing. They're, they're always too far apart because they don't want to get hit. So the key in boxing is to move into to a range where you can hit a person with an extended hand for, to receive most power and then get away from the person. Uh, and Ali was just – good. He just had faster hands. He had faster feet. He would pull back from punches. Now, in boxing, you slip a punch or you turn to the side. You don't pull back. It's like they would compare it to if you're on a train track and a train's coming at you. You don't pull back from on the track. I mean, you're going to get run over. You jump to the side, one side or the other. Ali could pull back and the punch would just miss him by, you know, a fraction of an inch. So, in his prime, he was just the fastest heavyweight that there probably ever was. I mean, he was just spectacular. But as he got older, as he slowed down, he, he got off of his toes, fought a little bit more flat-footed, and then he started taking a lot of punishment. Ali, in his career, in his fights against Joe Frazier, Ken Norton, Larry Holmes, uh, uh, George Foreman, he, he took a, a lot of punches. Far too many punches. Yeah. What were some of the high points of his career? His 64, his fight with uh, Sonny Liston, 71, his comeback, his great fight in New York in Madison Square Garden against against Joe Frazier. In 1975, his great fight in Kinshasa against George Foreman. And then probably the next year, 76, when he fought in the Philippines, the thrower in Manila against Joe Frazier. Those were his boxing highlights. But the real highlight, maybe, was his fight against the government. I don't follow boxing. I don't know much about it. But I can still remember. Was he in Life magazine more than once? Oh, yes. Yeah, sure. Because I can remember sitting in the living room as a kid, flipping through Life magazine, you know, looking at the Joe Frazier fight pictures. And I can remember talking to other kids about which athlete we supported and maybe it's because he was so charismatic or maybe it was just the sport of boxing in general was bigger back then. You know, in that Life magazine, I'm not sure, but I think the pictures for that fight were taken by Frank Sinatra. Oh, oh wow. wow. 
That's a fun I, fact. I may have made that up. No, I think you're right. But about I kind of think I'm right on that. Yeah, no, I think you. Yeah. I think you were too. <laughs> well, we're declaring it true anyway, so it's true. Yeah. You have that jurisdiction on your own show, certainly. Yeah, if we say it. <laughs> why did he b- become a Muslim? How did that come about? He discovered fairly young that there was a race problem in America in the late 50s and early 1960s. Now, you would have been living in a tube not to realize that. He grew up in a segregated environment. He was very comfortable in that environment. He was bothered by numerous problems in America that were neither Republican or Democrat, both of them. The Nation of Islam was an organization that emphasized discipline. He was a boxer. Discipline was easy to him. It, it gave him answers for all issues. It was very dogmatic. And it just it just fit him. And he was influenced and brought in by a guy named Malcolm X, who was one of the most exciting, uh, charismatic leaders of that time. When did the two of them meet? Was it well into Ali's career? No, they met in 62, June of 62. Wow. And so they have to keep everything quiet. So when, when we constructed the book, well, we literally did a day by day. Where was Cassius Clay this day? Where was Malcolm X? And we could see the overlapping when they w- would have been together talking. Oh, wow. And, and remember when Malcolm X drops out of the Nation of Islam, within a year, he's dead. He's been assassinated by members of the Nation of Islam. How did Malcolm X, um, a little sidebar, how did Malcolm X come to the Muslim religion? Was it when he was in jail? Prison. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of Muslims were converted when they were in prison. And and tell us the story of Ali. Did he get drafted or, or was it just that he wouldn't register for the draft? No, he registered when he was 18 and he took the battery of tests. And instead of being classified 1A, ready to go, he was classified 1Y. You know, he, he, he can't go with one Y because he did badly on the writing and the parts of the test. And which Ali, and this was printed every place, was kind of an embarrassment to him. But he said, hey, I said I'm the greatest boxer. I didn't say I'm the smartest boxer person. Uh, and, and so he's now 1A, reclassified 1A. And he refuses induction. He's supposed to be inducted the next year in Houston, Texas. He refuses to step forward when his name is called. He's arrested. He's tried. He's convicted. He appeals. After a few years, it goes to the Supreme Court. Eventually, the Supreme Court vacates the decisions on a technicality. They don't say, you know, he said he was a minister for the Nation of Islam. Therefore, he could get a conscientious objector. They don't say he was right. But they found irregularities in the procedures, and so he was freed. Do you know what kind of irregularities were in the procedure? According to the law, if you were an advisor or if you were uh, religious, you could appeal for three reasons. And if you were denied, they had to tell you why you were denied, for what reason you were denied. They convicted him, but they never told him why. And so there's a small little procedural problem. And the Supreme Court, they did this. Because they knew if they voted just to vacate it, okay, and say he is a religious leader, that they wouldn't get a unanimous vote. And so this way they were able to get an eight to zero unanimous vote. Thurgood Marshall didn't vote on it. He recused himself. Why did he recuse himself? He was in the government, maybe in the attorney general's office, I forget, 
Uh, but he was in a, a government legal position at the time that the trial took place. I mean, so what happened to Ali's career? Because um, uh, he had to give up his title at one point, correct? It was stripped. From, yeah, his title was taken from him. His passport was taken from him. He's a convicted criminal. And for, you know, over two years, he was not allowed to fight. Now we're getting into 67, 68. And the war that he was against was a more popular in the early 60s, mid-60s, Vietnam. By 67, 68, America's turned against it. So this here's this guy that most Americans look at as a draft dodgers, or many Americans as, you know, he's not doing his part. Now he becomes somewhat of a saint. So now we get a, a, a new vision of him as a martyr. And then, of course, when he comes back, his big fight in 1971 against Joe Frazier was just one of the biggest fights ever. For a long time, you could say to anybody, what do you think of Muhammad Ali? And wh whatever they told you, you could give a political profile of that person. I mean, it, it, it told you it was like a litmus test. So it was two years that could he not fight at all or could he not fight in the league? No, he didn't fight at all. I, what I remember from the 70s was he was wasn't he on like the odd couple? Uh, I think he was on. I think he was on Dick Cavett's show probably a number of times. He was a surprisingly interesting man to hear talk. People would, that I talked to would say, you know, if you told Ali something, you know, he would repeat it as his the next day. And <laughs> by the next day, the second day, everybody would say it was his. I mean, he would have the story down so perfect that, that he was just, you know, just great at that. Uh, so did he fight until he couldn't? Yeah. He lost his last two fights against Larry Holmes and Trevor Burbick. He should never have been fighting. He should never yeah. have been licensed. He, he was in bad shape and he was just, he was just getting beat up. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just kind of a sad end. Here's a guy that loses his last two fights. And I think before that he had only lost five fights. And so only three people beat him before those last two fights. Well, he had an entourage, right? Yes. You know, when I, the, the little bit I read about him, I, I, I felt like, well, it was one of those stories where he traveled with these people that took his money. And I wondered why he would do that. But also to go someplace to train must have been kind of lonely. Well, you know, he had, he had a, a, the Nation of Islam was managers and they, you know, they took a guy by the name of Herbert Mohammed uh, was his manager. And I think the thing you have to understand about him is if he wanted money, he would never join the Nation of Islam. Because by doing that, he's not going to make money on commercials. He's not going to make money the way other athletes can make money. That's one point. The second point is money didn't matter to him that much. He didn't really care. If he had money on him and somebody gave him a good story, he'd give the person money. I mean, he just it just wasn't that important to him. And so why would he take those last two fights then? Oh, just for pride? No. Wanting to be part of it? Being the center of attention was important to him. Giving up his platform, which was the ring, it was a hard thing to do. You have to retire an athlete. You know, they, very seldom do athletes go out at their very best when they're on top. They stay around as long as they can. Unfortunately, this means in boxing that they get beat up really badly. That's certainly how I was with running. Yeah, um, I've seen these runners, they, they seem crippled. They're out there with two arthritic knees, uh, and then these are after having knee replacements, and they can't give it up. 
They and then they entered things like the Hilly 100 Fun Run, you know, in West Virginia, running 100 miles. Who would want to do that? But <laughs> yeah, well, no, I've been telling Poundstone to get out of the running game for months. And get out, not of, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've really taken a pounding. Um, <laughs> what would you say in terms of civil rights? What things did he do that had the biggest impact? Well, you know, standing up for his beliefs had a huge impact. Normally, when a new heavyweight champion, they would go to Europe, you know, and do a tour of Europe. He goes to Africa, okay? He becomes the most recognizable face, the most recognizable name in the world, okay? His legend far transcends the ring. So he's important politically. Without a, Mo a Muhammad Ali, would there have been a Billie Jean King, uh, you know, who takes some other steps, or a Kaepernick? You know, he shows that athletes can use their sport as a platform for viable social change. I mean, he, he rewrites the rules of the game. I remember clearly, and I'm going to say it was the 96 Olympics. Yeah, 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 Atlanta. Which was a generation after he'd been, you know, an incredibly controversial. I remember when he ran up to light that torch, um, it just seemed like the entire country had come full, like he was beloved by everybody by that point in his career. By that time, he was less controversial uh, because he, he couldn't really speak, okay? So what gave him, <laughs> you know, the edge was his trash talk, was his, his poetry. Yes. Was it, you know, here, here's a good story about Ali. In um, early 90s, there was a conference at Miami of Ohio, and, and it was a group of professors came in and gave lectures on Muhammad Ali. And Ali is supposed to be there at 1 o'clock, it's probably 1.30, and he's in a limousine. And they pass a, an African-American kid. And the kid looks in and does a double take. There's Muhammad Ali, recognizes him. You know, he does a double take. Ali said, stop the car. Stop the car. He gets out and talks for 20 minutes with the kid. Oh, you know, that's fantastic. I love that. That's the kind of person he was. He didn't have to do that. He was late. But it was more important to have that human interaction. Oh, that's wonderful. I did that once. And, and the kid said, look, I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah we can't all do that yeah 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 well, well professor randy roberts that was amazing and now we're going to run all this information you just gave us through the old pounstonator paula how's been raymond horton on the euphonium thank you for making nobody listens to paula poundstone a part of your long and varied musical career you sound wonderful if i could ask you to blow a little background music my way I'll tell you what the old Pouncedonator spit out. <laughs> Professor Randy Roberts, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you. This was really fascinating. We share a love of Muhammad Ali. It, it, it's just that you know more about him than I do, and you can write about it and teach it. Other than that, you and me are the exact same. Prior to COVID, I had discovered kickboxing. I took lessons in a gym just for the workout, really. I, I don't know if I would ever want to punch or kick another person, but I loved punching and kicking bags and pads. Due to the influence of Ali, I also trained in a pool. I punched and kicked and practiced my footwork and my bobbing and weaving. People looked at me funny. I did it in public pools. I don't have a pool. So, so people stared. Sometimes lifeguards laughed at me. I didn't care. 
I was going to be fast like my hero Muhammad Ali. I slow kicked the shit out of a synchronized swimming team that wouldn't get out of my way once. I even underwater trained in the Atlantic Ocean because I saw Muhammad Ali train in water and photographs in Life magazine. I, I, I remember this one shark came at me and I said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And the shark said, really? And I rip your <laughs> leg off like a motherfucking shark. And that night in my hotel room, there I was with a sewing kit, stitching my leg back on again. And now, here on this podcast, I find out that Ali just made it up to get publicity. Cynthia Cryer could learn a thing or two from this guy. <laughs> Author, speaker, and distinguished professor of history at Purdue University, Randy Roberts, everybody. Thanks so much Yay! for showing up. Great. Oh, man, that was wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll have to do it uh, again. You know, I, I wrote a book on John Wayne. We have to get. We have to talk about John. Oh Wayne. wow! <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that's a very different figure. <laughs> I would love that. Coming up, Wikipedia describes a pinwheel as quote a simple child's toy, but how simple is it? Can Captain Crinkle make one? We'll find out because it's time for Tony's Craft Corner Pinwheel Edition when we come back. Fun fact, the first Morse code message ever sent was, What hath God wrought? The reply was, New phone, who dis? JK, LOL, what are you wearing? Eggplant emoji. <laughs> Thank you, Raymond Horton, and oh boy, what better thing to have a musical fanfare to welcome us back to. It's it's everybody's favorite segment, and especially Tony Anita Hall's favorite, because it leverages all the things that make Tony Tony. First and foremost, her love of crafts. It's time for Tony's Craft Corner, Paula. Yay! Yay! Oh my gosh. Yay. Wow, we've been... Now, now we, we did this about six weeks ago, and you know Tony's just been hectoring us ever oh since. When can I do my next craft? When can I yeah, do my next yeah. craft? Always. Well, today's the, the day. Yeah. She keeps saying, don't you wish you had a pinwheel? I bet you'd like to have a pinwheel. I didn't even know what she was talking about for the longest time. She was trying to be subtle. But it turns out, Tony wanted to do a Tony Anita Hulls craft corner so she could right. teach us how to make a pinwheel. And now she's going to come up here and she's just going to talk our ears off about the history of the pinwheel, its cultural significance, where it comes from, all the stuff you want to know about it. But soon after that, we're going to get to her favorite part, the actual crafting. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, people of all genders and all ages, welcome to Tony's Craft Corner with Tony Anita Hall. Tony? Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here. Anyway, so <laughs> what you're going to need today is a piece of paper. Ooh, we're getting right to it. Okay. Yes, we're skipping all the other stuff. Bonnie, uh, Bonnie wasn't good at getting a piece of paper when we did origami. Let me just point that out. Right, but I got one that's not spiral this time. That's good. That's good. good great start. 
A glue stick? A glue, a glue stick. stick. I have glue. Uh, I, or glue. Glue in general. Glue. I have a glue no, stick. No, no, no. Sorry no. to alarm people. Ooh, Just glue ooh, in general. Boy. Scissors, a stick or a straw, uh-huh. and a push pin. Is that the pin of the pinwheel? You will find out soon, my friend. Oh, oh wow. This is exciting. My pin drop. That's wrong, uh, uh, Bonnie? My pin dropped in the shag carpet and I can't find it. I had to use a straight pin. Take off your shoes and stomp I've around. Been, I know. I've been doing that. But Bonnie, did you really drop your pin five seconds into this bit? It just, as I was trying to push it into the top stick, I forgot I had But it a wasn't straw. time to push it into the, you have to wait for the instructions. Damn it, Bonnie. And get the stick out of your mouth. And wait a minute, back up. Shag carpeting? I know, our carpet needs to be replaced, but we've never gotten around to it. Yeah, it needed to be replaced in the early 70s. I know. It was here when they built the house. Take that out of your mouth, buddy. Okay, well, that's the straw. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably been on antique shag carpeting. (laughs) We haven't even gotten past the materials list, and Bonnie has lost the push pin and put the straw in her mouth. I've run my fingers all over this shag. It's... I can't find it. Oh, my God. Don't put your fingers in your mouth either. So, okay. you know, you'll have a structure. It just won't spin, which is okay. All right. So you can yeah. do a majority of the project. Maybe if I rub my feet while we're doing no, this. you know what? Yeah, what could possibly up. go wrong? <laughs> Bunny, check inside your ear, because that's a place where a lot of things that you lose end up. I don't know where it could be. I saw it fall. (laughs) Anyway, okay. Okay, so everyone has their supplies. Almost everyone. And so what we're going to do is first things first, we've done this in every other craft so far. Uh, We are going to square off your piece of paper. So you're going to take the bottom right corner and pull it up to the edge of the opposite side. And you're just going to make it nice and flush. Julie, take some pictures too so we can post to the nobodies. You should have something that looks like this. You have a little a triangle with a little excess up the, at the top there. What do you do again? You do what? Oh, for You're God's pull, sakes. Pull the right corner up to meet the left edge. And oh. so they meet, and then you're going to make a nice crease. So you should have a triangle. This is crafts for people who don't listen. Wait, uh, you're okay. going to take the right corner of yeah. the piece of paper. <laughs> you're going to okay, <laughs> pull so. it up so that it meets the left side of the paper so that it's flush, so that you have a triangle. We've done this every time. You, so you have a triangle. <laughs> Wait, is it that? Yes, yes. that's exactly oh, okay. right. All right. Bonnie, is, is, is there a hole in that paper? Yeah. Well, three hole. Right. <laughs> but if it's a pinwheel. <laughs> You know how the you know how the wind is supposed to turn the pinwheel? If there's holes in it, the likelihood of that becomes less. Oh, okay. And then when I fold that thing over? No, no. 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 So okay, now okay, we're okay. Take your scissors and we're yeah. gonna cut off that excess. Okay. Literally cut every off. time, okay. Bonnie. Literally cut, every cut, time no, on this. I know. <laughs> so you're gonna ex- cut off that little excess strip there. Ow! Ow! I was cutting off the excess. 
Oh, shit. I was doing the excess on my arm, the part that hangs down. <laughs> no, you need that, Paula. I, I wasn't very explicit. I'm sorry. Yeah, come on. Oh. So don't get rid of the excess piece of paper that you cut off. Oh. Because we're going to come back to that. We're going to use that for something. So keep that off to the side. What about the arm flab? Do I put that off to the side? You have glue. I can't really see the glue because one of my eyes is missing because of the birds. <laughs> oh. So let me know once you've cut off your little excess strip of paper. I have. I have. I have. You, should be left with a, you should be left with a triangle. There it is. Oh. Yes. I got nice. a triangle. Okay, so unfold that. And you're going to fold the triangle one more time the opposite way. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you get two diagonals bisecting two the square. Two diagonals. Yes. Oh one more triangle. I'm good at translating my instruments. What is it? Speaking of translating, Tony, is this practicing for the craft no. festival in Auckland? I'm not going to a craft festival in Auckland. Oh, no. But anyway. Wow. So you should Are they have... going to redeem your ticket? <laughs> Do you? Oh my God. Do you need a minute to call them? Do you have an agent that books that kind of stuff for you? <laughs> Tony, I have a friend from Auckland, and they are very serious about their angles. Uh, I would change that part of your presentation if I were you. <laughs> but you're going to get your ass kicked uh, down under. Good advice from Paula. Julie noted. Okay. So has right. everyone done that part? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So- so now Bonnie, we're going to take our scissors. Has, Bonnie, that looks no, I have a good feeling that this time I it's going to work. Except, you know, yeah, except yeah. your pinwheel won't. Other than the holes. Which um, could, so yeah. now what you're going to do is take your scissors and along each line, cut about halfway up the line. No, what does that mean? What line? On the outer edges. When you fold it, you should have like folds, which are your lines. Yeah. And you're going to okay, cut Why up. would you say lines when you mean folds? <laughs> oh, my God. We're going to have an international incident when you go to Auckland. That's what's going to happen. So you're going to cut about halfway up the fold. Halfway up? Okay. Halfway up the fold line, whatever your heart desires to call it. So they should all be the same length? We have to have... How far you, you cut? You can You just go about halfway up. It doesn't have to be perfect, but just about halfway up. You can't call it whatever you want to call it. That's not good communication. Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus. You know, it's, it's, these, it's these little quibbles that makes Tony enjoy Craft Corner on our show as much as she does. So immensely. Oh, she um, loves it. All right. So now uh, yeah. you should have four four cuts, right? Your paper should look little movement. Okay. So you're going to take any corner you'd like. Okay, take your glue. Put a little Uh-oh. dab of glue right in the middle of the square. Yeah. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take any corner to start and you're going to fold it up and you're going to glue it the point to the middle of the square like that. So it's only okay. one flappy. So one flappy. each flappy has two triangles you could make, right? That's perfect. Keep it loose. Don't, and that's the other thing. I did not say that, Bonnie. That's my bad. Keep it loose. You don't want to. You don't want to make any... Fold in it in the paper. You want to keep oh, it. Oh, you're nice just saying it's, oh. it's going to be like a little arc or something. Yeah, sorry, that was my bad. That's okay. okay. Oh no. So what you're going to do is once you have one glued down, you're going to go every other flappy will fold oh. in and be glued. Okay, got every it. other. Every other. 
is going to be okay. folded and glued to that center piece. Every other. And do you press down so there's a crease on the paper? No crease or- on the paper. No. No crease. So you're going to do that all the way around. Definitely no crease. I'm starting to see how this could be a pinwheel. Me too. Um, I think I'm going to be able to do this one. You should have every, every other flappy and it should look like this when you're done. Like a pinwheel. Oh, boy. Like this, Tony? Like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, we should have colored it with crayons. Yeah, you should. You can make. Yeah, I know. That's okay. Just do your best to really push it down on there because this next part will help bring those middle pieces together. So what I like to do is once I've done all the flappies, I like to stick. (laughs) What I like to do. Stick something to help keep it down in the middle to kind of secure that. So whether that's the, you know, your glue. Remember when she was denying that she did crafts and now she's referring back to her craft history. I knew it. 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 The next part will help secure those middle pieces. Great okay. to me. So let me know when everyone Bonnie, let me is see yours. ready. I think I did it right. You oh my did. God, Bonnie! I know. All right, Tony, what's next? I'm I'm so, so ready. Next, remember that little strip of paper? Yeah, the strip <laughs> of paper. So we're gonna get that back out. Get okay, that I got the strip out. of paper. Oh, a piece of paper. Okay. Um, a piece of you paper. can also use this to put over your eyes during the photographs, <laughs> in case you don't want to be identified. Yeah, That's, that is true. Yeah. Okay, so now you're just going to cut a circle out of this piece of paper, however you want to cut a circle. We're cutting a circle? Cut a circle? Oh <laughs> I will cut you with my scissors. It's like a long rectangle. No, just cut it. Oh, like a, a little circle. circle. Like a, a little, little circle, circle out. That's going to be at the center of your pinwheel. Oh, uh, keep wait, that, that in mind. That you. one instruction really threw the group. <laughs> cut a circle? What the hell? Cut a circle? Oh, I'm taking name. hostages. Cut a little circle that's going to be the center of your pinwheel. So this will be a little, like, fastener. Oh. For the middle of your, to reinforce those. Then you can throw whatever access is away. Please recycle. That's what I should say. Is, is, this, is this big enough or too big or too small? That looks good, Adam. It looks good. So you have your circle. Huh. You're just going to dab a little glue on that circle, and then you're just going to put it right in the middle of your pinwheel. To make oh my it gosh. aesthetically more pleasing and also to help secure your little floppies. This is so cute. You know, you guys, could we sell these at PaulaPoundstone.com? <laughs> I don't see why not. That's a good idea. We could so sell just, those. Okay, so you, your pinwheel should look like this now. Uh-huh. Okay, so now you're going to take your star. For the listeners that are crafting along with us, and I know that's many of you, um, uh, do we, we, so now we have something that looks just like a pinwheel, um, but it's, n- it's not yet posted on a stick or a, or a oh. straw, but it so also, it looks sort of like a flower. It's got a, a oh. center, uh, and for those listeners who are center. Yeah. For those listeners who are not crafting along with us, uh, we do ask on behalf of everybody to show what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. You we're doing yeah. this for our health. <laughs> This is Tony's um, fucking craft corner, goddammit. Where's my Peabody? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why we wouldn't get a Peabody for this. Um, Tony, <laughs> honestly, we when she first came to us, she wanted to do Tony's surgery corner. We said that we thought that we could get sued for that. Uh, and so then she said, well, how about crafts? And that's. That's how it all began. Well, she put up a fight. She was like, for, you know, when we said no at first, she was like, no, I'm totally good at surgery. 
Yeah, yeah. I could totally do that. I, you know, I might have a corner uh, where I um, do stitches, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, well, give, st- although I got to say, you're not that good at it, Paula, because that leg fell off right away at the first sign of a bird attack. Yeah, but that that leg <laughs> has been sheared off by a radio arm saw, I think a helicopter. Shark. Yeah, a, a, a shark. Yeah, that leg. Come on, in fairness to me. Oh, shit, it just fell off again. Motherfucker. Uh, hold on. Let me get some glue. Bonnie, if Paula can find her leg on that carpet, you should be able to find that pushpin. I know. It's really frustrating. <laughs> so now for the next step, you take your pushpin. Yeah, the pushpin. That you're just going to push right through the center of your pinwheel. So it goes all the way through the other side. Through all the... Ah! Ow! On the I did it on my lap. Yes. You're pushing it right through that little circle. Were you supposed to do it on your lap? Probably no, not. I wasn't Tony, very specific. You have to be much more clear, especially when you're using dangerous equipment. I'm telling you, the New Zealand people aren't going to survive your visit. My pin is through the wheel. Repeat, my pin is through oh, the wheel, good. Tony. You got a pin through the wheel. So now you're going to take your sticker straw. Stick or straw. Then just take the, the push pin and continue to push it. At what part of the even. straw do you push it? At you what part? It, you push it through the straw. At the top the of the... The top of the straw, the middle the of the top straw. Of the, the top of the straw, the top of the straw. <laughs> and then you have your pinwheel. Wow. Now I recommend not pushing it through both sides of the straw because then you have a little pokey out there and that could be dangerous. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I got a pinwheel. And there's a pinwheel. If you lay it like this and then bring it toward your face, it'll spin. Mine does. Bonnie, yours looks a little folded, but, you know, it does look like a pinwheel. Does it it spin like this when you do that, when you bring it to your face? Watch. Uh, (laughs) No, because it's not... I don't know why. It kind of spins. Maybe it's the holes in the paper. that. Could- oh, I think it's that the paper I'm using isn't strong enough. Like, I'm using notebook paper. What would you guys use? <laughs> Just, Just plain paper. plain paper. I'm going to put it on my bike and watch it spin as I ride. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that'll last. Paula, let me see yours. How is it? Uh, there it is. I can't really get it to spin either. Hold it. Yeah, I'm having spinning. a little spinning I, I think you might. I think you might have uh, been a little too uh, aggressive with that pin. Maybe. I know that the paper from my pinwheel has hit the microphone about three times, and the reason <laughs> I know that is because each time Wendell leaps from his seat to uh, move me away from the microphone. Hey, Julia, I don't know if you can uh, capture video, but this is going to look great. Watch this. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, mine is boy. too floppy. Yours no, mine doesn't do that. Really well. No. Mine How stiff is your paper, Adam? <laughs> That's a very personal question. Yeah, really? <laughs> um, Can't believe you said that. <laughs> I love this. I'm going to do it with my girlfriends. I'm having some spinning problems. All right. Uh, Maybe my pin's <laughs> too tight. Oh, it's upside down. <laughs> How cool is that? Oh. I sell that on paulapoundstone.com. Yeah, All this one's going to go, on this one will be discounted on paulapoundstone.com <laughs> because remember when you were a kid and you wanted something that wasn't really functional and your mother would say, it's just for decoration. And it was so disappointing. What the fuck is that? Just for decoration. Are you saying your pinwheel is disappointing in that way, Paula? 
Yes, it is. Well, congratulations, everybody, on your on your pinwheels. This was a hit. It was a total hit. Everyone did a really nice job. I will say that. Oh my gosh, Tony, you did great. I know you're a fanatic for this. This thing is gonna kill in Auckland, by the way. Uh, you know what? All of our Auckland listeners. Um, are probably, your, your event's going to sell out in Auckland. And by the way, uh, Auckland listeners, remember to color your pinwheel first. Yeah, decorate uh, the pinwheel. Little, yeah. I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, in retrospect, I wish I had. So I want everybody to take a picture of their pinwheel, um, and, and, and we'll post those all at um, all our socials. We have a great Facebook group, Instagram, wherever you want to look. You can look on Twitter. We're going to have all of us with our pinwheels. I always do a test run before I come here. You do? I do. I I haven't been able to complete my project, um, but uh, it it it's incipient. Uh, which it, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You're right, Paula. It's definitely you're you got an incipient project there. I mean, although you you did in fact complete it. <laughs> no, I didn't because I didn't finish decorating it, and it doesn't spin. Nice. Ah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very good point. Well, I wonder if that's going to have any ramifications later in the show. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions or comments or, you know, a suggestion for what we're going to do next on Tony's Craft Corner, send that to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Um, or also, um, and I'm reluctant to do this. Okay. If any non litigious person um, has a need, for surgery, um, you could also contact us, and we'll do Tony Anita Hall's surgical corner, and that could be a good cost cost saving uh, approach. Well, Paula Poundstone, what's happening in the Poundstone product empire this week? Oh, Adam, the future for Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is looking so bright. As you know, I've been under the tutelage of Cynthia Cryer, of Cynthia Cryer Public Relations, and she has made the name Paula Poundstone synonymous with entertainment, or at least cinnamon with it. She's really helped me get the word out about my theater shows and the wonderful products available at paulapoundstone.com, including this, <laughs> this incipient uh, 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 pinwheel. Um... <laughs> Cynthia says that in the time of inflation, consumers actually take pride in getting a bang for their buck. So it's important to promote that we have never raised the price on our Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone hooded sweatshirts, Poundstone pussy pillows, custom autographed cat toys, or my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with my self-portrait on the left breast and memorable quote on the back, nor do we put less in the box. And talk about getting their money's worth. On Thursday, September 22nd, I'll be in Ridgefield, Connecticut at the Ridgefield Playhouse. And not only are the tickets reasonably priced, I also give the audience a show so long, they sometimes beg to leave. It's the most <laughs> economical entertainment dollar you will ever spend. Click on the tour tab at paulapoundstone.com. Buy tickets, buy tickets, make ha-ha your habit. Uh, also on Saturday, September 24th, I'll be in Concord, New Hampshire at the Capitol Center for the Performing Arts. Performing 
Art, uh, it won't cost you any more than it ever did. You'll get more show than you did the last time. And the last time you got a lot of show. People write postcards from my shows. They check their emails. <laughs> they call in sick for work the next day. Go to paulapoundstone.com. Click on the tour tab and buy tickets, buy tickets, make ha-ha your habit. On Friday, September 30th, I'll be in Waterville, Maine at the Waterville Opera House, where some audience members from my last show there are still putting the finishing touches on the tunnel they built to get out of the theater that night. See how you do it, Adam? You should yeah. use some of these techniques for promoting your other podcast. According to Cynthia... Those shows should be sold out before I even get to. Won't somebody please listen to me? There's more, of course, but Heidi. Wow, Paula, that's that. You know, I, I would feel bad, though, about using you're paying Cynthia Cryer quite a bit, right? Five thousand a week. Yeah. So I feel bad just even though you suggested it, using those techniques to promote my other podcast, Dad Bandland, because I feel like I'm not paying her a dime. Well, you know, Adam. It's the I, I'm happy to share these techniques with you. Uh, well, they're they're good techniques, and I and I will say this: if you were to go onto your podcast app right now and and go, and for a moment, you know, once you're done with nobody listens to Ball of Poundstone and you're all caught up on all two hundred and uh, uh, seventeen episodes, and you're you know you've listened to them twice, you could type "dad band land" into that search engine there, and and there are twenty five episodes now that are completely free. So that's a lot of bang for your not buck. Oh, good use of the technique there, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I have to say I'm a little stunned because there's never time for me to say something like that. And for some reason there is today. I, I, what's going on, Paula? We're going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, Paula, we've come to the point in the podcast where we ask the question, did you use this week's vocabulary word incipient correctly during the show? Oh. If you have, we'll be treated to a little bit of the amazing share, and you'll get to mail her a check for $1. If you haven't, we will hear from our resident psychic, Cher Eva. So, the question I put to the gods of audio is, did Paula Poundstone use this week's vocabulary word incipient correctly during today's show? Money down. Oh, yeah. Poundstone got it in under the wire, too. It was almost, almost the end of the show. We'd already made our pinwheels, and all of a sudden, there you were. Well, I was a little hampered earlier because I have this incipient cough. Uh, you know, it's over, Paula. You don't need to do that. <laughs> but in any case, Paula, I just post-game interview right here. What was in your head? Did you have a game plan or, or, or was it just in the moment it came up? How, how, and how did it feel? I didn't have a game plan, Adam. I had forgotten entirely about it. And then I have something awful to confess. Uh-oh. As I was floundering, making my pinwheel, it dawned on me that the word, the vocabulary word, meant like sort of budding stages. Uh -huh. But I couldn't remember... The vocabulary word. Oh, no. Paula. I went back and looked at the script. 
Oh, Paula Poundstone. Can we hear a little bit of Cher Eva, please? I knew it. There we go. By the rules and powers vested in me by this podcast, Paula Poundstone, not only have you had your privilege to pay Cher a dollar revoked for this week's episode, but you have been officially censured by the powers that govern this podcast. Shame I, on you, I, Paula Poundstone. I feel deeply Shame ashamed. Shame on you. I feel deeply ashamed. <laughs> Cher, Cher's probably listening right now. She was probably visualizing that walk to the bank. <laughs> With that check, <laughs> I, I deeply apologize, oh, Cher. I'm glad, I'm glad that you came clean, and I'm sure that the eventual review will, will take that into account if we have to suspend you for a podcast or two. But um, Because your honesty does speak well of your character, but shame, Paula. I, I feel shame. I feel deep shame. <laughs> All right. Remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It is free, and that's a great value. People can also review the podcast, and I'm told, I don't know if it's true, but I'm told that it helps other people, uh, you know, find the podcast. People that are saying to themselves, I'd like to listen to something that will show me how to make a, a pinwheel. Surely there's a podcast out there that'll do that. <laughs> so you could... You yeah. could totally, please drop a review and, and drop it over at Apple Podcasts or wherever. You don't have to use the phrase, Adam is on every show. That is not required. Okay, now we're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com if you want to send us a message. And that is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Professor Randy Roberts. Woo! Yeah. And to our house band composer, arranger, conductor, and church musician, Raymond Horton. Yeah. Check him out at raymhortonmusic.com. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Berkobian. Edited by Vic Lowry. Starburns production by Land Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Adam. Yeah. Adam. It's yeah. me over here, over here in the penalty box. Oh, Paula. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible. I just, I was a... Yeah, you you I, panicked and you cheated. I, did, I, I just, I did. I, I cheated. I, I, I just wanted <laughs> so badly to... Yeah. You know, I want Cher to look forward to going to the mailbox. I, I, yeah. I want, you know, because I look forward to going to my mailbox and I just, I want, I just, I love envisioning her pulling out a letter, uh, you know, from me and then opening up and finding that check. I know, Paula, but like, you know, it's early yet. We have got to play the long game with Cher. I read an interview with her last week and she didn't mention those checks at all. What? It was mainly about what happened to that comedy manager that I used to take walks with. That was most of the interview. That was Bonnie Burns. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I don't think she was a comedy But, but she couldn't remember her name. She was like, if yeah. I could find that woman, I just want to give her a million dollars. But um, Yeah. She said yeah. All, all she could remember about her is that they'd be walking by Toluca Lake and everything would be quiet and beautiful and they're listening to birds and then there'd be this crinkling sound behind them. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was Bonnie Burns. Yeah. She also said whenever they walked by anything green, it would die. <laughs> <laughs> It 
it's impossible not to grow tomatoes. Sometimes you'll have a garden <laughs> and you didn't even plant tomatoes. Like I have a yeah. mulch pile, for example. I have a mulch pile. Right. And sometimes you're not really <laughs> supposed to put tomatoes in a mulch pile. But I have sometimes thrown mm-hmm. like spaghetti sauce or rotten tomatoes into the mulch pile. <laughs> tomatoes grow. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even trying. And the tomatoes grow. Yeah. Well, they got the seeds right in them. All they, all they ask from you is don't spritz them and don't stab them. No, you can spritz them. I don't think there's anything you can't do to them. I, I, I'm telling you, they're like bamboo. It's hard to get rid of them. <laughs> a podcast network. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.